0: Wow, great! I enjoyed Jane. That was great. I've never heard that version of it. That's not cool. Well, wow, that's great. That sums it up, it? it's better than the old King James, isn't it? Really, you know. Oh, I really like That's not cool. I can hear God saying things like that. Man, that's fantastic! Great to have you here tonight. And we just open our heart and just believe that, just as we share over the next 20 minutes, that God will just speak into your heart. Father, we open ourselves to you. You believe in us. You believe in us. You see the possibilities in us. You deal with us not according to our past or our present, but according to the potential, the possibilities that you wired into us when you called us into being. So tonight we just open our hearts. We thank you that we're loved and celebrated by you, that we're welcomed by you, and that you believe that our lives could really count for something significant eternally So Lord we want to receive from you Lord we pray tonight that just your Holy Spirit would speak through this message and begin to awaken and stir something in our heart which has perhaps been dormant that we would begin to dare to dream begin to set a course in our lives begin to determine that we will not live an average life we will not settle to be like the crowd our lives will have something different about it because we have the touch of God that's awakened us to the possibilities of what we could be. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your presence here tonight. Thank you, Lord. You're going to speak to hearts that are open and awakened. Lord, I pray tonight that every person that just opens their heart to you, Lord, will hear your voice. Challenge them to move from where they're placed, to begin to arise and go beyond what they've currently settled for. Each of us, Lord, speak into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you open your Bible with me in uh, Psalm 37. And uh, I want to share with you something that I'll put on my heart. I just, uh, I just saw a couple of things this week. Just I uh, to, took my wife on a date for a movie. I had a, saw a brilliant movie and I'll just share a little something, I've just stirred something in me as I, uh, just the story that was behind it, true story, and uh, I'm also going to, if we can do it possibly later on, just show you a short little clip that will illustrate what I want to share in the message tonight, and I want to just share very briefly just a, a message called dreams, determination, and discipline, dreams, determination, and discipline, and in Psalm 37 verse 4, it says this, delight yourself in the Lord delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart people have funny concepts of God we tend to think that well being a Christian or walking with God he just takes everything you liked away from you and leaves your life a little bit miserable you know you can't drink can't smoke can't do all the stuff you used to do and now what on earth am I going to do you know go to meetings and sing and so we get these funny concepts but actually God has got great possibilities for every one of us he never removes anything from our life that is uh, essentially good for our life. He tends to remove from our life and uh, separate us from things that harm us. But what he does do awaken us to great things. So the Bible says, "Delight yourself, be soft, pliable, or learn how to yield and become in partnership and cooperation with God. What an amazing thing that you could be a friend of God. I was thinking tonight you know, about dreams and about things that I long for, and I was thinking one of the things that I long for in my heart is to be a friend of God. I really, I think of anything in my life, you know, I want to be a friend of God, I want to be known as a friend of God, someone who loved God passionately, caught his heart, and then just did what God wanted me to do. So if you delight yourself in the Lord, then something is going to change in your life. It's not hard to delight in the Lord, we delight in Him when we get to know Him. So you've got to take time to build a relationship. As you delight in the Lord, He begins to awaken possibilities. It said, He will give you the desires of your heart, meaning that there are things He has put inside you which will awaken and come alive when you connect with God and respond to Him. What dreams do you have in your heart? What desires? Do you have anything burning in your heart? secret dream, a secret desire, a secret longing? What is it you long for? Probably as you're growing up, like me, you had lots of daydreaming. You know, you daydream of being this and daydream of being that. But all of us, those daydreams are a part of awakening the dream factory in our life, the, the possibilities, the, the things that we could be, the things our life could accomplish. And so every one of us, God wants to awaken in you a dream of what your life could be what it could be. If I'd settled for the things I had, then I would have still probably be teaching in a high school somewhere. Oh, I'd probably be up at Walkworth, high school there and parked out by the beach with a boat and fishing. That would have been about it. You know, I love that place, love that area. But you know, God had a bigger dream, something bigger. And so when we respond to God and delight with the Lord and begin to walk with Him, He wants to awaken in our heart dreams, possibilities of our future that we had never thought of and some of them we have thought of but perhaps you never dared to believe it could be possible you could do it God wants to awaken in you dreams in uh, Acts chapter 2 and uh, around about uh, around about 4 to 6 the Bible talks about I'll just get the exact verse in a moment but the Bible talks about in the last days the Spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh and it says this it said young men will have visions old men will have dreams in other words the result of the Spirit of God being poured upon us is that it awakens and releases visions and dreams in our life. Now, of course, well, you could have a vision of Jesus, that's lovely. You could have a vision of heaven, that's good too. But there is another dimension of visions that God wants, not just visions into the spirit world, but visions of what our life could be, vision or a dream of what is possible in you. I was thinking about our kids' ministry tonight, and the Lord dropped in a possibility I had never thought of. I thought, oh, that's good, Lord, I like that. So when we walk with God and open to the Lord, He awakens in our heart dreams, and I want to just touch on some of those things and look at awakening in your heart a desire again to dream. And uh, of course, there's lots of dreamers in the Bible, and dreamers aren't always loved by people, but you've got to have a dream. Your dream is your future. If you've got a dream and you can determine that you're going to fulfill it and get the discipline around your life and take some practical action, then you can become something and do something. And the others, of course, around you don't always like that. And so inevitably in the Bible when you see dreamers, you find there were always problems and oppositions people said you can't. And uh, mostly dreams are opposed. I was reading something by John Maxwell, and he said that, well, dreams, you know, A lot of people don't fulfill any of their dreams, and one of the reasons they don't fulfill dreams is because they're discouraged by the people around them who have no dreams and feel threatened. Isn't that interesting? So if you think of Joseph in uh, in the book of Genesis, Joseph had a dream that one day he would be a great ruler, a ruler over many people, even a ruler that his family would respond to. He had a dream. It was a God-given dream. Do you think everyone liked it? They did not like it. They hated him for his dreams but nevertheless it was a God-given dream so John Maxwell says that when you have a dream there's a lot of reasons it doesn't come to pass one of the reasons of course is that people around you discourage you but God wants you to have a dream and as soon as you have a dream then you need to nurture it and cultivate it don't tell too many people because a lot of people say you can't do that who do you think you are you can't do that David dreamed about changing a nation what about that David dreamed about changing a nation he dreamed with God and a little shepherd boy he was the lowest in his family and so unimportant they wouldn't even bring him to meet a prophet when he came. That was the young man that God put in a dream that he could change the face, the history of his nation and he became a history maker because of a dream God put in his heart. I wonder what you could change if God put a dream in your heart. I wonder if God awakened a dream in your heart and started to put seeds of destiny in your life you realize, I was really born for this, this was what I was made for, oh, this is what I must do before I die. And We all need to have awakened in our heart desires and dreams, so you delight yourself in God and begin to start to dare to dream what is possible. Instead of listening to the voices of negative people, dream what is possible. I took my wife to see a movie, it's a brilliant movie, it's called The Stone of Destiny, but there was something about it that I really liked. And it's based on a true story, and I'll just share with you, that it's actually about a young boy who had a dream. And he dreamed that he could awaken again national pride in Scotland. And he, uh, when he was about the age of eight, his mother would talk to him about Scottish history, and she told him about what was called the Stone of Destiny. The Stone of Destiny was a sandstone, uh, it was historically they they, it was reputed to be the stone that Jacob rested his head on when he had a dream. It's probably unlikely it was, but that's what they thought it could have been. And, uh, but anyway, the stone of destiny was a stone upon which the Scottish kings were crowned. So it represented national uh, pride. It represented the nation of Scotland. And whenever they uh, set in a king, then it was always upon the stone of destiny. And uh, in the 1200, 1299, Uh, King Edward from England came and he sacked the abbey where this thing was, tore it down and left rubble, and he stole the stone of destiny. And he took it back to England, and they built a coronation chair. And the coronation chair was where they crowned kings of England. It's still there in Westminster Abbey today. And underneath it, it's got a a shelf upon which they put the stone of destiny, Scotland's stone, upon which its kings are crowned. And whenever the king of England uh, is crowned, he sits on the throne, and then underneath it is the stone of destiny. And it's a a symbol of their conquering Scotland. It's a symbol of humiliation of Scotland and the subjugation of Scotland under England's rule. And so the Scottish have always resented the English because they took, took away their national pride. And one young man, when his mother told him about this, had a dream in his heart that he would be the man to bring the stone of destiny back to Scotland and awaken their pride as a nation. What an amazing thing that is. He had a dream from the age of eight. In about 2021, he and three other students from a, from a university went to England. They went, they borrowed some money and borrowed a car, a little Ford prefect, and they rode all the way down to England and one Christmas Eve, they broke into Westminster Abbey and stole the stone of destiny and returned it back to Scotland, confounding all the police, confounding everyone. And and what happened was something they never thought. That's interesting because when he was a young man, his father said, stop the dreaming and become a doer. But it never stopped his dream. He said, you need to be practical. You need to do something with your life. But he had a dream that I could awaken Scotland's national pride. And when he brought the stone back to Scotland, it set off a revival of nationalism within the nation. They cheered, they balked out flags, they began to gather, it began to stir within Scotland again. It broke the shame off them that their stone that represented their own dominion as a nation was returned to them as one young man's dream. Isn't that amazing? I wonder what you could dream of. I wonder what you could dream is possible. See? This young man did something that was impossible. They arrested him, but they never charged him. They thought if they did that, they'd get the whole of Scotland in an uproar, see? So most people never fulfill any kind of dream. They never fulfill any kind of dream because someone discourages them or because they lack the determination to make it come about. So do you have a dream? If you don't have a dream, you'll follow someone else's dream. If you don't have a dream in your heart, You'll follow what the crowd want. You don't have a dream in your heart. You'll follow the convenience of what's the easiest path in your life. So why don't you take time to dream with God, to dream what is possible, to dream what could be, to dream what could happen with your life. If there were no limits, what could God do through you? One of the big things that uh, we need to recognize in New Zealand is this kind of thing sits around people, to shut down dreams, to knock anyone who dares to stand up and be different. But you and I are called to dream with God. You're called to dream with God. But a dream alone won't get you anywhere. You've got to do something with it. But you've got no dream when you go nowhere anyway. So (laughs) you need a dream. So don't just pray and believe. You need to take action. Faith without works is dead, the Bible says in James 2.17. Faith without works is dead. So you've got to do something. In Ecclesiastes 5.13, A dream comes by the multitude of busyness but a fool's voice is known by the multitudes of his words. Isn't that interesting? So the Bible describes the difference between a fool. He talks a lot but does nothing. So a lot of people are full of talk. It says a dream comes by the multitude of busyness. In other words, if you're going to accomplish something with your life that's significant and important, you're going to have to get busy and do things. You have to take personal ownership of your life and your dream. It's your dream. No one can make your dream come true. Your dream can only come true if you will apply yourself and see what steps you need to take to fulfill it, and then you determine you will fulfill what God has put in your heart. Now on the way, of course, there's things we have to learn, but that's okay. So a dream comes about only when we do something. Jesus had a dream of changing the face of the earth. The Bible tells us that he suffered, he, he endured the cross joyfully because of what he saw was ahead. Young men, young women, generations of people raised up to make a difference with their life. I wonder what you could do with your life. I wonder what could happen with your life. But you'll have to do something. You'll have to do something. So to do that, you need determination because one of the things about dreams is that you need determination to overcome resistance. It's absolutely true that if you have a dream in your heart that there's going to be something rise up that will resist it. And you have to have determination in you. It's not enough just to have a good idea. You have to come to a plan and to get some action around it, but you'll need determination. I saw a man, Clark Taylor, moving in the spirit. I watched in a meeting that I went to, and I saw obvious presence of God around him. I saw God moving and touching lives. I saw miracles happening. And I said, I want to be like that. I want that to be in my life. And of course, there's a lot of discouragement, a lot of uh, difficulties, a lot of setbacks. And they come in a whole variety of ways. Discouragements can come and, and resistance can come by your friends. Not all your friends want you to fulfill your dream. Some of your friends are not really your friends. If they were your friends, they'd support your dreams. But often people will sabotage our dreams. They have their own ideas what we should do. And if they don't dream, they'll discourage you. Sometimes... Uh, Your enemies will try and stop you fulfilling your dream. Uh, Sometimes circumstances will come against you to stop you fulfilling your dream. There's always something comes. I can guarantee for every dream, there's resistance. You think of Joseph. Uh, He spoke about his dream, and next thing he's in a prison, and he's in, in Egypt, and as a slave. He had to have determination in his heart that what he had was from God, and he would fulfill that dream. Do you have that gutsiness? One of the things I liked about Clark when I met him and admired in him, I'd never met anyone in my life that had so much determination to push through every resistance and setback and to succeed. I I was inspired by it. Determination. You must make a resolve inside that everything you do will be focused to your dream being fulfilled. A lot of people don't have that kind of determination. They kind of give up. Let me show you someone in the Bible that has a determination. And find him in Acts chapter 20. His name is Paul. Acts chapter 20, you find him there. man who is incredibly determined. And look at this. What he had was a goal that he would fulfill the call of God and bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ. So one of the motivating and driving things that Paul had inside him was that his life would reveal Christ to the world and would bring honor to Christ's name. That was what was driving him all the time. He said, in Philippians 1:20, "My earnest expectation and hope is that Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by the way I live my life or the way I face death." Okay? A lot of people think it'll all go well for you. But his goal was that I would magnify Christ, that people would see Christ lifted up and see there is a man mobilized by the power and the love of God. and He's made an impact in his generation. What an amazing man. Christ would be lifted up in his life, whether by life or by death. Okay? A lot of people don't think that way. They're happy to be with God when he's helping them out. When it doesn't look like he's helping them out, they abandon him. So notice what Paul says here. He said, uh, in verse uh, uh, 22, Acts 20:22. 20, 22. Now I am going bound in spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. So he's got a clear set course. He wants to reveal Christ to Jerusalem and then to Rome. And he says, he said, I don't know what's going to happen. There's an uncertainty. So if you have a dream, there's always uncertainty about it. But he said, except the Holy Ghost testifies in every city. Now, how about this? He's determined to go to Jerusalem, and he said, I don't know what it will all work out like. I'm not too sure what's going to happen, but I tell you what the Holy Ghost is telling me through the prophetic word, every place I go, that chains and tribulation await me there. How about that? He's saying that every place I go, the people are prophesying the same thing, that I'm going to end up in chains, and I'm going to end up in tribulation. But he said, notice this, none of these things, move me. How about that? Imagine going and you're doing a little journey and you're on your way You've decided to go to Auckland and you stop off here and there at various churches and every place you go, they prophesy, listen, you know where you're going to Auckland? Yeah, well, actually you're going to have chains and tribulation and pressure and conflict and turmoil and difficulties there. After you've had about three or four of those discouraging prophecies, you would probably think to yourself, maybe this is not a good idea to go there. But you see, his motivation was different. He said, I am motivated. This is what I'm looking to do, that my life will magnify Christ, whether I live or die. It doesn't make any difference to me. He said, if I live, I'm going to live for Christ. If I die, I'll give him honour as I die. But he said, Christ will be magnified in my life. So I don't care what this thing's going to happen. I don't care how difficult it will be. I don't care what challenges lie ahead. None of these things move me, because I am determined to fulfill my course and finish the ministry that God has given me. Now, that's a gutsy man. That's the kind of man that has a difference and makes an influence. Now, you have the potential to be that determined, but no one can be determined for you. Look what he says. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so I may finish my race with joy and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify of the gospel of God's grace and power, enabling ordinary people to do extraordinary things. What an amazing thing. Well, that's, that's determination, isn't it, eh? What if you were told, you know, that dream you've got, flip, you know, you're going to end up in prison, and have difficulties, all kinds of stuff. Would you start to get in a turmoil or would you just say, well, none of these things move me. This is what I know God's called me to do. I'm going to do it. Now you think, well, I want you to show you just some of the stuff Paul had This makes him such a remarkable man. Have a look with me, 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 24. I'm going to show you a couple of things, this determination he had inside him. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He's no wimp, this boy. No wimp. he's, He's talking about suffering for Christ. Of course, everyone wants to get blessed by Christ, but actually the majority of Christians over the world suffer for Christ. They suffer. They go through hardship and difficulty. And so the, but the hardship has a way of strengthening the gospel and expanding it. So when they persecuted the church in China, it just grew and flourished. Amazing, isn't it? Now, look what kind of stuff he put up with. I just love it. I was reading this and feeling really challenged. He said, uh, look at this. He said, are they ministers of Christ? Well, I'm speaking like a fool. Well, I'm more. He said, labor's more abundant, stripes above measure, prisons more frequently, and deaths more often. Or from the, He begins to tell what happened to him. Now, from the Jews, five times I got 39 stripes. Now, I don't know whether you ever thought what 39 stripes is. Getting it once is not very pleasant. Getting it five times is even worse. Why on earth would a man continue? What it, What? it They have these whips with four kind of cords on it and little bones on it, and they would just whip, whip his back until his back was laid open. He said, 39 stripes. That's 39 stripes. All back laid open by stripes. Yeah, I got that five times. What was that for? Preaching the gospel. Making Christ known. You got that? Well, if that wasn't enough, he said also, three times I was beaten with rods by the Romans. That's not very pleasant either, is it? He said, none of that stuff moves me either. He began to sing in prison. Acts, I think, chapter 16, he and Silas are in prison. They've been beaten with rods. They just sing songs and praise God, and there's a revival in the prison. See, Christ is magnified. Positive attitude in the midst of difficulties, hardship, no moaning and whining and complaining and grizzling. Well, I think we'll sing songs at midnight. Well, that's a gutsy sort of person, isn't it, eh? That's a person who's determined. I love that kind of thing. Now, look at at all these things here. There's a whole heap of them here. He said I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. We'll look at that in a moment. That's not smoking marijuana either. Once I was stoned. Three times was I shipwrecked. Now, not once, but three times. Now, he's so passionate about getting the gospel out. He took these boats. and Now, you think God would have helped him get the right boat, but three times shipwrecked. And this is not even... Actually, there's another one to come. But three times he shipwrecked. He said, and one day he spent about 24 hours holding onto a piece of wood in the water. Now, imagine what you think about, you know, in the Mediterranean there, as you're floating in the water hoping that you'll somehow get to land. Well, he's thinking, I have a dream. I'm going to get to Rome and I'm going to preach the gospel in Rome, the center of this world empire. I can't drown because I've got a destiny to fulfill. I can't drown. I'm not going to drown. So It doesn't matter what it looks like, no matter how bad it is, I can't drown. I've got a dream to fulfill. It's a God-given dream. What the hardship is, forget the hardship, let's just praise the Lord. <laughs> that's what a real Christian's like. You love that? In journeys often, perils, terils, perils of robbers, perils of my own country. He said, I lived in fear and danger all the time. Now that's an adventurer. You know, we send teams over to Indonesia. Almost every time we send a team to Indonesia, there's an upcry, a warning from the government, don't go there, and every kind of things. But, you know, that's, you know, and so it's very easy to kind of think, oh, you know, there was one year there was a SARS virus came out and then there was all this bombs going off over there. And of course, oh, you can't come, you shouldn't come. But, you know, I look at what, this is, the, this is one of the pioneers of our faith, in perils constantly. He wasn't foolish, but he was quite determined he'd fulfilled what God told him to do. Not foolish. Just determined. That's what a determined guy looks like. Have I mean, a look at this one here in, in, in Acts chapter 14. We're nearly finished. Acts chapter 14. Here's what determined looks like. You know, it's you know, an interesting thing. You can't finish before your time. If, you've, if you're totally sold out to the Lord and you're walking in the vision and dream of your life, you won't finish your life before your time. do not matter what anyone tries. Look at this one here. And it says, verse 19. Now, I want to show you determination again. Here's, here's determination. Now the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. Now how about that? He's gone to Lystra, and he, and not and only not did a great miracle there, and the whole crowd came around, and they called them gods. They gave him a different name. And then some Jews came and began to run them down with negative critical talk, and pretty soon the fickle crowd stoned him. that tells you something about the multitude, doesn't it? One day they think you're wonderful. Next day they want to kill you. So the opinion of people is not important. What is important is that you fulfill your course and your dream and your destiny in God. And it requires determination. So what happened? They stoned him. I don't know whether you've thought about stoning. I don't know whether you've thought, but stoning can't be very nice. Stoning kills people. In some places in the world, they stone them. They bury them up to their up to about their chest in the ground. So they can't move and they can't get out of the ground. And so all you are, you've got your head out there in the ground. And then the crowd gather and they all pick up stones, you know, kind of big stones, and they begin to throw the stones and hurl them at your head, your head and your upper body until in the end you're battered unconscious and then eventually you're so damaged you die. Now Paul was stoned and they obviously thought he was dead. They wanted to kill him. And it says they dragged him. Now, that's a bit of an ignominious thing to be done. Dragged out of the city and thrown in a pot and even bury him. They just I'm glad they didn't bury him. They just, dragged him in a, they just dragged him out of the city and threw him out there, just left him, left him on the ground. And you know what happened? The disciples got around him, and they prayed, and the power of God entered him and raised him up because he hadn't finished his course yet. Isn't that amazing? And I presume that much of the grazes and the bruises and the cuts and whatever of the stones were all healed at the same time. You ever stop to think about that? Someone stoned to death, their head battered and bleeding and bruised and black-eyed and everything like that, and next thing, they've stood up again and they're completely well. Now, what would you do if you've been into a town, done a great miracle, then they turned on you, stoned you, dragged you out of the town and left you outside the town, and then God raised you up? What would you do? Well, you'd probably swear at them, call fire on them, and go the other way. I want you to see what Paul did. This is the kind of man he had. This is, this is what he's got. And so, look, it said, it said this is what he would However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up, he went back into the city. He went exactly back where he went. Now, why did he go back? To let him see Christ magnified in his body. Can you imagine the astonished look You've stoned a man to death and dragged him out dead out of the town, checked out he's dead, and now he's walking around again. Flip, that must be scary. And he went to show off, this is what the power of God is like. This is what Christ is like. Isn't that fantastic? do you love that? Stoned, stoned, and then he stands up. Now, not only did he go back then, but he went back again. He actually went back to the city again. So you find out, in verse 21, after they preached the gospel in that city and made disciples, they returned to Lystra. I So he went back there again, and then he went back a third time. Now that's determination. He didn't quit because oh, they don't like me. They rejected me. They said bad things. I know they hated me and they hurled rocks at me, but I went back anyway. That's, that's determination. That's the kind of determination that causes a man to change nations. Isn't that fantastic? Don't you love that? Paul's determination. He said at the end of his life, I've run my race and I've finished my course and there's a crown laid up for me. I love it. Have you, got that? have you got something like that? Man, he makes us all look wimpy, doesn't he? We get knocked back or someone says an unkind thing and then you go and retreat into your bedroom and have a little bit of a sulk. Come on, dream a dream, and then have the determination that you will fulfill the dream. So you've got to keep the dream constantly in front of you. Finally, you need discipline. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and uh, verse uh, 24 to 27, Paul says, He said, By So run my race that I may win. And He said, I discipline my body. He said, I discipline my life, lest having preached to others, I get disqualified because I didn't run right. What about that? He disciplined himself. Discipline is not a word people like. Discipline is ordering your life and structuring your life and staying where you have purpose to go. It's keeping the dream alive and then bringing some structure around your life in order to enable you to accomplish what God called. So, disciplining your life means setting goals. You get nowhere unless you set some clear steps of where you're going to go. Discipline means doing a little bit every day. So some of you may have a dream of preaching the gospel. What are you doing every day to prepare yourself? Some of you may have a dream of one day being a great leader. What are you doing every day to prepare yourself? Some of you may be dreaming of having so, doing some great thing, perhaps being a great in business. What are you doing today to prepare yourself? If you're doing nothing today, then it's just a dream. You're a dreamer says that in, in the fall is known by the multitude of his words. There are no actions that back up the dream. Fantastic, isn't it, We eh? want to be a person who's, who's quite practical. So most of what you have to do is practical. So, what, what, so, um, so you have to stay focused on the dream. You know, one of the things, the biggest thing that will cause you to, to fail in life is just losing focus. All you've got to do is just lose what you're supposed to do and then you're done. So You've got to stay on course, you've got to stay determined to fix the course, where I'm going, what I'll accomplish. and It takes a lot of energy and a lot of emotional and discipline to do that. Now, here's another thing. If you're going to fulfill your dream, what kind of character do you have to build? What do you have to build and develop in your character to fulfill your dream? What kind of person do you need to be? Well, I just want to do this and I want to be that and I want to be a great musician, a great rock star. Yeah, but what kind of character do you need to build to actually sustain being in that environment? What kind of relationships do you need to establish and build that will support you in your dream? A lot of people are just sitting with a dream, but they actually haven't thought for that dream to take place, I need to articulate it, I need to focus on it, I need to be determined to fulfill it, and I need some discipline around my life to start to work carefully, steadily towards that dream. I see a tragic waste of people's lives because there's not the determination and the discipline to just go ahead every day, do a bit. You know, you think, well, I have this great experience with God. Why don't you just do a little bit every day? Well, I'm going to really, one day, I'll really learn the Bible, preach the Bible. Why don't you just learn a little bit every day? Why don't you, you're going to be a great musician. Why don't you practice a little bit every day? And then one day, you begin to emerge. Your greatness has come. But you've got to actually establish those things in your life. I love it. I think it's really, really wonderful. And what skills do you need to develop? See, it's great to think I'm going to be a great leader, but what, skill, what kind of skills will be needed to lead in a generation which is technical and, and multimedia? What kind of things would you need to learn? Well, I, I'm just going to trust God. Hey, come on now. You've got to do more than that. If you trust God, get it into something practical that you'll learn to prepare yourself. So, young people, do you have a dream? Do you have something in your heart you desire to be or long to accomplish If you haven't, that's okay. Start to dare to dream. If I could do anything with my life, what would I do? Begin to worship God, and spend time with God, and ask, God, what have you placed in my heart? Why did you bring me here? What is the purpose for my life? What is it you want me to accomplish with my life? And maybe you get no great things, just some short-term things, but gradually, God will begin to unfold what is possible. As you walk with Him, He unfolds His plan. We'd like to get it all right now. Just show me what it is. It's be a big dream and a revelation. Well, occasionally people get that, but most people it unfolds as you walk with God. You need to be determined that you will accomplish this. Determine that with the end of my life, at least I did the thing God wanted me to do. Jesus said that's how he finished his life. He said, Father, the things you gave me to do, I've done. There are heaps of things undone, but he did what he was called to do. Determined to do it. Okay? And then the discipline, the, the need to put around your life some simple structure and order and begin to start to put into place the things that will get you there. Now, this, is all, this all requires faith that God will help you on the way. I want to show you, if it's possible, a little video clip of a man who had every kind of hand. Can you get that thing to go in a moment? It's working? Great. Okay, then. Now, this guy, you can find him on the Internet, but I saw him. I was absolutely inspired by him. Just an amazing man. This guy was born with no arms, no legs. He's currently writing a book called No Arms, No Legs, No Limits. And uh, he, uh, when he was younger, suffered tremendously because of feeling, well, there's all these things I can't do. And while he was thinking about all the things he couldn't do, he could not dream about what he could do. When you look at all the lacks in your life and think about the things you haven't had and all the disadvantages and what you've suffered with, what you've struggled with, then that limits you, but when you begin to stop doing that and step up and say, well, I thank God, what can I thank God for? I thank God, and he, stood in front, he got in front of a mirror and said, well, I thank God for my beautiful blue eyes, I've got lovely eyes, and he began to thank God for what he had, and his perspective changed, and he began to dream, and right now this man travels the world, speaks in nations all over the world, yet he has no arms and no legs. He not only speaks in nations, he mobilizes people to help the needy and the underprivileged of which he is not one. He speaks at schools, he motivates people and leads people to Christ. And so, I'll show you this little, little, little uh, clip because it shows an example of someone who realized that if he was going to be able to accomplish something in life. He had to be able to stand up. But what do you do when you've got no arms and legs and the doctors say it's impossible for you to stand up? What would you do? Because standing up is going to be crucial for you fulfilling a dream that you'll travel the world and touch the nations of the world. You have to have determination to do something. I want you to watch and just see this man and feel touched by the spirit he carries. Put it up. We get any sound with it? We just need sound on it, it's just never the same without the sound. You got a thing going there, and there's nothing stops this man, he's just playing music with a drum beat there. It's the most unbelievable thing. He gets them all going. He's talking to a crowd of young people, a crowd of young teenagers. It's just a shame we haven't got that sound on. It would make all the difference. And so, as he talks to them now, he says, What happens if you fall over in life? What will you do if you fall over? If you stay down, you can't walk, you can't get anywhere. If something's knocked you down, if something's knocked you over, if you had a failure, a mistake or something, if you don't get up, you can't walk. You can't do anything. So he was told by the doctors, well, you have no arms and no legs. It's impossible for you to get up. It's impossible for you to stand up. And he decided if he's going to do something for God, do something great with his life, he needed to stand up. And so he tried. He said, It doesn't matter how many times you try, one time, a hundred times, he said, Just don't quit getting back up. Don't quit trying to stand up. If you will not quit, eventually you will succeed. And so he just kept working at it, trying to find a way that he could get himself up, that he would not be limited if he fell over, that he could never get up. And so he worked and he worked and he, he, he struggled. And of course, in the heart, he believed that God would help him, that whatever God called him to do, God would help him to do. And so here he is. He's showing how even in spite of the doctors saying, you can never stand, he found a way to stand up. He found a way to break through the odds. When people said, you can't do it, he reckoned he could. And then he did it. I wonder what it is that you complain of is your limitation. I wonder what you say in your heart, I just can't do that. Perhaps what you need to do is to be determined too. to Have a dream and become determined in your heart that you'll really do something that will make a difference with your life. That you'll not let the limits be set by others. That you'll decide to follow what God put in your heart. Let God awaken dreams and begin to rise up and make a difference with your life. I encourage you to look at that little clip on the internet. When you look at it, you'll be inspired. There's an atmosphere of God comes in, and although you couldn't quite see it there, a lot of the teenagers are weeping. They're weeping because they felt challenged by his determination. His life would count. What about yours? Are you determined your life will count for something? Are you determined your life would have eternal significance? Have you got the vision and the determination and the discipline needed to step up above the ordinary and to make a difference? Why don't you ask the Lord tonight? Why don't you settle it in your heart? I was born for something great. I'm going to begin to discover the dream in my heart and begin to set my course. No matter how old we are, it's never too late to dream. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, it says oh, you old will dream dreams too. So there you go. No matter how old you are, you can still dream dreams. It's never too late until the day you say you can't. And then you're right. You can't.